love you guys so much. How many people were touched by last Sunday? Tell you God's doing something here. I wanna, uh, we're going to get straight into it this morning. And uh, thank you guys. Appreciate your ministry. Thank you so much. Your worship was just fantastic this morning. Appreciate your diligence for practicing and studying and, and doing what you do just to um, bring the sound of the, the house alive. It's just fantastic. I, I, I am really believing that there is a new thing happening. I can feel it in my heart. I'm totally committed to fasting and praying right now. And uh, just sort of got out on your mic, it's all good. We are going to make some changes real soon. And I want you to be a part of this. And uh, it's not just a change just for the sake of making a change, but as the, it is a step of faith for setting a new direction, setting a new course for what I see in my heart, what I see in my spirit. And you got, we're all going to be a part of this. This is an all play. We, uh, I felt in my heart, for actually for the last little while, for probably for the last three years, I, I've had a stirring in my heart for the things of, for new things, for, for bigger things, for greater things. And uh, one of the things that has been stirring in my heart is about a name change. We're going to change the name of the church. And uh, we've kind of, a, we have evolved a little bit over the last few years. I mean, it was the new life center, the wildlife center. <laughs> and we're changing. Yeah. It, it was the wildlife center, it was the uh, new life center, and then we became Christian Outreach Center, and then we came Bay City Outreach Center, and then we came Bay City Church. However, one of the things I feel in my heart is... Um, there's new things about to happen. Even right now, I feel the Lord just stirring in my heart. And, um, and so one of the things I felt to do was, sometimes you're just going to make small changes that, that really set the course of the future. Don't always look for big changes. Make, make lots of small little changes. But one of the things I felt in my heart was to change the name of the church. And one of the reasons was this, is that um, I wanted to encap- and I want everybody to feel they can contribute to this, and we'll be announcing the new church name on the Vision Sunday. Is that right? Is that right, Kate? Yeah. So I want you all to be a part of this, and, and so I would love for you to pray. I'd love for you to consider the Lord uh, a couple of things. There's something about a name when, when you name something, you identify it. You, whatever you name, you identify it. And what you identify, you identify it not just by the name, but also the characteristics that it has and, and, and the values and, uh, and the mission that it carries and, and, and the essence of who it is. And one of the things I'm believing for, I am believing for, to, for new churches. I'm believing to plant churches. I'm believing to, to build and multiply what we have here. Uh, not just, to, I mean, there'll be new things that happen, but one of the things that the Lord specifically spoke to me uh, when I picked up this church was to build on the foundations that your father and mother have, have established in this house. And so that's why I haven't taken off into a whole new direction, because God specifically said to do that. And saying that, I want to be able to multiply. There will be new churches that are planted out of here, and has been prophesied over it. However, one of the things I want to do is to see those churches uh, carry the name of who we are. And uh, so what I wanted to do, we are going to change the name. And here are the, here's the criteria. I'm looking for an action word or some, a, a word that has some strength in it, some word that has some power in it, some word that is... Uh, uh, contemporary. I want it to be a word that encapsulates who we are. One of the key scriptures of who we are as a church is Luke 4, 18, for the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Uh, and uh, also about Nehemiah. Both of those scriptures were uh, uh, words that were in Pastor Mike and Joy's word as they came into this house. So I'm looking for a word. I'm, I'm looking for a name that it one encapsulates who we are as the church. I'm looking for an action word, something that describes that has a little bit of feeling around it, not something that's kind of like dumb, you know. I'm looking for a word that uh, we don't have to pull out a theosaurus to, or to take somebody through a year of Bible school in order to explain what the name is. And I want, us to, I want everyone to feel like they can contribute to this. And at the end of the day, Kate and I will we'll, we'll make the final decision. But look, 
I want you to contribute to it. I want you to pray. I want you to sense in your heart what word would you feel. There are words that are, there are things that I already have in my heart, but I want you to, I want you to talk to me about what you feel the word or a phrase or something that fits in your heart. And uh, one of the ways that you can do this is if you could email office at Bay City with your name and the word or two words, whatever it is. So are we good? Part of this, part of the renaming the church is is a step to to a, to it's a faith step for what I believe that God what what God has for us in the future, and uh, this is what I want to talk about what I feel in my heart this morning. Even if you're watching online, uh, many we've got people that are part of who we are, part of the church. They don't live in Hastings or Hawke's Bay. They live outside, but they tune in every week. So if you're watching online, I encourage you you can write in as well. Pray and wait on the Lord, and together we're going to come up with a great name which will identify who we are, not just in this place, but through the nations of the earth. Amen. Amen. Uh, I wanna, I've got a word on my heart. This, in fact, I've, I've been, I have already been fasting a week, not this past week, but the week before, uh, because I, I just, again, I sense a stirring in my heart. Uh, I, wanna, I felt a word on my heart this morning, the freedom of faith. And I also felt God put another word on my heart as I was worshiping about facing Pharaoh. And I believe that all of us at one point are going to be, fa- we face Pharaoh to a certain degree. Uh, we don't face him, the actual Pharaoh, but we will face him, and everyone will face him in a certain aspect of our life. But this morning, I want to uh, talk to her about the freedom of faith. Somebody say the freedom of faith. <laughs> Pastor Kate was talking about uh, fasting, and I just want to just join into that a little bit. Fasting, we are coming into a season. The question is why? Why do we fast? And fasting is not about trying to twist God's arm or having a pity party for God to feel sorry for you to be able to do something for you. That's not fasting. Fasting is not that at all. Let me talk to you just quickly what, what I felt in my heart fasting is. Fasting is an action now for something to happen in the future. Fasting has a future tense to it. We don't fast for something that has already happened to change. We don't fast. I don't fast for something that has already happened to change. I fast as an action now for something to happen in the future. So therefore, if fasting is something that we do now for something in the future, it is an act of faith. Somebody say it's an act of faith. Fasting is an act of faith. Faith is substance. Faith, faith is something that you see in your heart, you see in your spirit right now. You haven't seen it manifested yet, but in your spirit, you see it manifest. So you make an action. That's what separates faith from wishful thinking. Faith is an action. It has a work to it. You can't say, we can never say we're in faith and have no action. That's not what the Bible says. If you have faith and no action, that is wishful thinking. That is the difference between faith and wishful thinking. You can fast but have little faith to it. You have to attach, you are fasting, your prayer. You have to attach your faith to something. So when we fast, it is not a pity party. Yeah. <laughs> It is a statement, it is an action now that I'm believing for something for in the future. So therefore, fasting is a faith action. Fasting is something that strengthens your heart and it strengthens your spirit. When you fast, because it's a faith action, it has to do something. Your body might grow a little bit weak. You might get a little bit grumpy for the first week or two. There might be a little bit of tension somewhere. But that's okay. I encourage you to push through it. Because at some point, We come through into a new season of strength, a new season of grace. There's something about fasting that will strengthen your heart. The Bible says in Psalm, wait upon the Lord and he will strengthen your heart. When you fast, that's what we do. We wait upon the Lord. It's it's an action that puts a pull in the heavens. So for me, there are things in my spirit that I'm waiting for. There are things that I am believing for that are not here yet, but they are coming. The things that I have already, I have already fasted for and believed for, and now I have them manifest in my life. But there are new things. Somebody say new things. New things that God wants for us. So that's why fasting is about a future tense. Somebody say future tense. The Christian faith in itself is 
by essence, has a future tense to it. There are historical elements to our Christian faith, but our, our Christian faith is largely a future tense faith, and it always has been. If you look at where our faith comes from, our faith, the Christian faith, is, is grafted into the Jewish faith. It's not the Jewish faith is grafted into us. We are the ones, we are the branches that have been grafted into that tree, not the other way around. So therefore, our beliefs, the fundamentals of our beliefs come from somewhere, and we can track those right back down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are grafted into that tree of faith. This is elementary Christian, but I want to reinforce it because sometimes we can forget it. So our... Uh, the, the faith, uh, the way that we hold ourselves as representations or, or representatives of Christ must be, have a strong future tense element to it. Otherwise, we remain in the place of, of, of the past. All of our fathers of the faith all lived with a future tense. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that they all saw something far away off and they all walked towards that. They all, they ran or they walked, they found a way to move forward into what God has for their life. Not just for their life, but for their descendants and also for their nation and for, the, and for everyone that would come after them. When I am fasting now, I am not just fasting for me. Because what happens to me? when I receive my breakthrough, the breakthroughs that I'm fasting don't just have an effect on my life, they will have an effect on your life as well. And when they have an effect on your life, they'll also have an effect on everything that is in my sphere of influence. That is why it's important that we fast. That is why it's important that because when you fast, when you get a breakthrough in an area, it will affect everything under your influence. You might be a young person and say, I've got no influence. Yes, you do. Yeah. Absolutely you do. I'm believing for breakthrough. Faith. It is the confidence that something will happen. That's what faith is. I'm confident that something's going to happen. Faith is the confidence that something will happen grounded in the belief and trust of who we are connected to and what he has done. That is the essence of our faith. I want to open up the scripture to you this morning uh, in Moses chapter, uh, in Exodus chapter 3 with, with Moses uh, having an encounter with the Lord. Uh, just an amazing piece of scripture. And I, I just want to, how many people got your Bibles with you? How many people taking notes? Well, that was awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> I encourage you to take notes. Parable of the sower. The issue is not the sower. The issue was not the seed. The issue was always the soil. Same sower, same seed, different soil, different results. All right? Don't look at my humanity. Look at who I am in, in, in Christ. Take notes. Capture it. So here, I'm not going to read the, the whole thing, but Moses is having an encounter with a burning bush, and basically God says, I've seen the oppression of my people, and I have come down to, to liberate them, to open them up. I have, he said, I have seen how terribly the Egyptians oppressed them. Now, therefore, come, and I will send you to Pharaoh. And I have come to liberate, liberate them and bring them into a, a large land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. That there is essentially what salvation is. The word salvation simply means a large land. So Christianity is not about being small or being restricted. Christianity, when we come into Christianity, when we receive Christ, he, his plan is always to bring us into a large place, not to bring us into a small place. Sometimes we have to go through the narrow gate, but the narrow gate leads to a bigger and broader space. That's a whole new message in itself. So salvation, what it means to be a Christian. Christians should be the biggest people, the biggest thinkers, have the biggest hearts, have the biggest voices. Not the miserable, flipping whiners. Now therefore, so God says to Moses, now therefore come and I will send you to Pharaoh. Somebody say, send me to Pharaoh. We're all going to face Pharaoh. I'm going to do that in a week or so. So that you can lead my people, the descendants of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and lead the people out of, people of Israel out of Egypt? A, a, a kind of 
I'm perplexed by this reply. In verse 12, he said, he re- the Lord replied, I will surely be with you. I can tell you now, that is the greatest prophetic word that I've ever had. It's to somebody say, I will be with you. The Lord is with you. It's the greatest prophetic word that you can have if you can hold on to that. I will surely be with you. Your sign, you just think about how this reads. Follow me on this. Your sign that I have sent you will be that when you have led the people out of Egypt and you worship and you'll worship me, worship God on this mountain. In other words, he said, the sign that I'm with you is going to come after the fact. If I was in that place, I would have said, surely that we can have another sign. <laughs> the sign that I will be with you is when you have actually brought them out. And you're on the mountain, of the, uh, essentially the mountain of the Lord. And that statement there is faith. I mean, what the Lord is not saying is, I'm not going to be with you. But he's putting a demand to a certain degree, on Moses saying, this is the sign, because at the end of the day, how will you know that God is with you? For me, I want to know that God is with me on this side of facing Pharaoh, not the other side. I want to know that he is, I want to see the demonstrations on this side, but actually what he's saying is, no, this is how you will know when you have led them out onto the other side. Then you'll be able to look back. Essentially what he's saying is this, Sometimes, I don't know about you, but there'll be people here today that are facing terrible situations. All of us face situations where we need a breakthrough. All of us face situations where we are facing oppression from Egypt, to, to figuratively speaking. People are looking for, for a breakthrough. People are looking for a deliverer to set them free into a great and spacious land. That is what pe- many people here are looking for. However, if you look at what that statement says, sometimes we cannot see what God is doing in the present. It, it takes us to get down into the future a little bit to be able to look back and see in ret- retrospect. For many of us, I, I, can, I can tell you now, when I'm in a difficult situation, I have found it very hard to see or feel the presence of God sometimes. And it's not often until you look in retrospective, when you look back, you can see actually, uh, God had a plan the whole way through. And actually, in the midst of that, he was doing something completely different. So he goes on to say, Moses said to, the, said to the Lord, Look, when I appear to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What am I going to tell them? What shall I say? And God said to Moses, Tell them, I am that I am. Thus tell the children of Israel, tell them I am has sent to you. Now, when I started to look at this word, the, the actual translation, how, how it's been translated, is not actually the, the best of translations, I, I believe. And it's, it, it's actually more of a Greek translation, which means it's more, it's kind of distant because to be able to understand what God is saying here, it's important that we just understand, we just dig a little bit deeper. So that's what I did because for a long time, I was just a little bit confused about exactly who I am. I mean, I know a number of things, but it kind of perplexed me a little bit. But when I started to look at the, the translation, it, it, it actually sets a subtle but large difference between how it's been translated in this piece of scripture and how the Hebrew people understood it. How God introduces himself sets the course of motion for a whole bunch of things. So, so often when God turns up and speaks, he never addresses himself. He, he often, in fact, most of the time he addressed, he addressed himself as, I am the God of your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I'm not a God that's a long way off. He, he, addressed, he addresses himself not as somebody who's far off, but as somebody who is close and who is interested and who is involved in people's lives. Religion keeps God at a distance. But actually, that has never have been the, the heart of God. The heart of God has always been to be involved in our life in, in every capacity. The translation simply says this. 
when you look at it in the, in the, in the Greek, in, in the Hebrew translation, it says this. It doesn't say, I am who I am. It says, it is translated to this words, I will be what I will be. I will be where I will be, and I will be how I will be. I will be how I will be. I will be where I will be, and I will be who I will be. The subtle, you can see the difference in the, in the tense of language used. The difference between I am who I am, I am as somebody now, and I am who's somebody who was, but I am who I will be. I am who I, how I will be. In other words, he's saying this. Are you following with me this morning? He is speaking in a future tense. In other words, saying, I manifested myself in one dimension to the fathers of faith. But, but this is a new dimension of people. This is a new group of people. I am going to manifest myself. In fact, I already know the situation. I have already prepared this. I am already in their future. How many people, I, I tell you now, I am so glad that God is already in my future. I'm really grateful for what he's done. I'm very grateful for how he's manifested in the past. I know he's the God of heaven and all earth. I, I, I understand that. But that doesn't help me when I'm facing a situation. I need him to manifest his fatherhood. I need, to I need him to manifest as my deliverer. I need him to manifest as my healer. I need him to manifest as my salvation. I need him to manifest as my, as my boss. I need him to manifest. And so what, what he's essentially saying to Moses is this. Don't try and control how I'm going to turn up, when I'm going to turn up, and what manner I am going to turn up. I will be how I will be, when I will be it, and where I will be it. In other words, expect the unexpected. Don't have any preconceived ideas about how I'm going to provide for your need. Don't have any preconceived ideas about who I'm going to send and who I'm going to speak through and who I'm going to use to get you out of that mess. Oh. In other words, it doesn't always have to be the pastor to get you out of the mess that you're in. <laughs> it, it doesn't always need a prophet from God to tell you a part of your life that needs to be shifted. It doesn't always need a, a prophet from overseas to speak into your heart, to give you this prophetic word, to tell you about your future. Actually, I am your future. I will be what, where, and how I will be. God is defining himself as somebody who will intervene in a situation in an unprecedented way and that people will talk about it for years to come. The problem many of us have is control. Got trust issues. <laughs> I've got a great remedy for you. I have got a perfect remedy for you. I will help you this afternoon. I will help you. I will help build your faith. I could put you in a situation that will require you some faith and some trust. Not just, just to me for that situation, but it'll help just give you a wee bit of an analogy to work with with your faith with God. I could pull you at 50 miles an hour behind my boat this afternoon. You and just a little cushion of air. <laughs> some of you will need some of that. Where was the last time you did it? So it's a future tense. God is manifest, and you see how God manifests 
all the way through Scripture, he manifested himself again in an unprecedented way by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God made manifest. Nobody, I mean, it was prophesied, but when it actually happened, when Jesus himself turned up, people struggle with it, and people still struggle with it. Whenever God does something, how he does something, where he does it, and when he does it, and through whom he does it, still continues to surprise people. Just when we got God all figured out, he messes it up again. He manifested himself in an unprecedented way through Jesus Christ. Then he did it again through his Holy Spirit. When Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, there was a releasing of God as the Holy Spirit. And that is what we are birthed into. Whenever God talks about the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit always leads us forward. He doesn't remind us of the past. Sure, we've got to deal with some things in the past, but our Christian faith is always coming forward and upwards. It's always a future tense to it. It always has a positive sound to it. It's always moving forward. It always has, and it always will be. It continues to manifest. God continues to manifest himself, manifest who and how and what he is like, not just sovereignly, he does that still sovereignly, but he chooses now to do it through us. In other words, you don't know who God's going to send and when, how they're going to be turned up and what color they're going to look, how they're going to be dressed, what background, what past they've come from. He may have just called that person to say, go and say that word to somebody. Write out that check to that person. Bless that person. Do this. Whenever you do that, you're liberating somebody. If God has told you to welcome somebody into their home, if God speaks to you and says, I need to take that person out for a coffee and say, just take them out for a coffee. I'll give you the words to say, just take them out for a coffee. Okay. And Jesus will manifest again. Again, this is a core part of our faith. Is it's futuristic. It's always there. There are thing. It has a, a future tense element to it. There is something's going to happen regardless of what has happened and what's going on now. Does that make sense? So whether what's going on around my life is good or it's not so good, our faith always leads us to an action. Our faith always leads should always turn us to Christ and our faith and and, and our faith and our hope in, in Him to lead us forward. Christ will return again. People speculate about how he's going to come and when he's going to come and what it's going to look like. I don't think we've got any really idea. <laughs> he will come, though, and that's what I rest my faith in, that Christ will come again, and when he comes, he will judge the nations. There will come a day that I will stand before God and give an account of my life. I will give an account of whether I've held on to offenses. I will give an account of whether I have received his word. I will give an account of how I've spent my time, my money, my love, my affections, all of those things. I will give an account of how I've spent my life. It will happen, rest assured. So this is a great peace for me. Because when I have experienced injustice, I've got to turn my, faith, my head to that truth, my heart to that truth, that he will come and he will judge the nations. It's not my job. Let it go. Don't you worry about that. Don't, it's, it's done now. Move forward. Keep your, keep your eye on the goal, which is Christ Jesus. He will manifest again in an unprecedented way. All people of faith in Scripture keep their heart and eyes on what God will do on what God will do. Here's an interesting thing. It's interesting. They, they lived for the future regardless of the present situation or history. Here's something I was thinking about. Positive people always are future-orientated. Have you ever been somebody around who's somebody who's positive? When you're around them, they just lift you up. What is it about them? Most of the time, in fact, 99.9% .9 of the time, and I'd suggest that 100% of the people who are, have a positive, I don't know, vibe around their life, are future-orientated. In other words, and there's, a, there's a positive future orientation. They, are, they talk positive. They talk, when they, whenever they speak of the future, it has a positive tense to it. It has a yeah, maybe that happens, but, but this is going to work out. This is going to be great. 
Positive people have that. And you look at, but when you look at negative people, negative people are fixated either on the past or the present or something bad's that bad is now. There's a psychological term for it, and it's called learned helplessness. In other words, people teach themselves how to remain in a place of helplessness. And it doesn't matter whether they come to church or not. It doesn't matter any of those things. Even if they have a prophetic word, there is something in their heart. They have learned to be helpless. In other words, they create their own prison. Hence why the Jesus asks the question, do you want to be made whole? The reality is many people don't. Why? Because they've learned helplessness. They, get, they draw their life from the pity party posts that go up on Facebook. Oh, how bad life is. No, but I want to knock myself in the head and do all these things. And then you see all these people get sucked into this vortex of, oh, don't do that. Wake up. Wake up. Get out of that blimmin' hole. Stop putting your stuff like that out into the world. Whoa, noise me, defriend, get away. <laughs> we don't want to have that. It's, it's, not, it's not healthy for anybody. Because what happens is when you start putting your junk out like that and drawing other people in, actually what happens is many people are quite naive into the fact that actually you built your own prison anyway and they end up coming into an agreement with you and the cycle of brokenness continues. Think about this. Many of our day-to-day actions are future-orientated. We do something now to bring about a future that has not happened yet. In other words, in the most simplest of forms, why do you boil the jug? Do you boil the jug at your home just for the sake of boiling the jug? No. If you do, we've got a course for you. (laughs) It'll help you. Most people, they boil the jug. Why? Because there's a future action that they want to have happen. What is that future action? Cup of coffee or tea. We do things now in everyday life, in order to do for a future to be enacted. Does that make sense? We save because we want to have a future out here. In the same sense that we do these things every single day, you have a shower because there is something that you want. We do things in a we live in a future tense. However, when it comes to the things of the Spirit and things of God, often we live in the past. We keep dragging up the past or keep talking about how bad life is as opposed to resting our faith on who Christ is, what he has done and what he will do, how and when and where he will do it. Amen. The Bible talks in James chapter 2, verse 26. Faith without works or faith, faith without actions is dead. Just as the body is a spirit, without a spirit is dead, so too is faith without actions is dead. And that's why fasting is an important act, because faith, faith, when we fast, when we fast, it is in itself as an action of faith. Why? Because we are making a decision now for something that is in the future. It is an action now for something that we are believing to obtain in the future. Interesting, when we, Kate and I went to uh, Israel, I don't know about Joe and Steve, but one of the things we noticed was this, is that the whole nation of Israel is largely future-orientated. Here they are, as a nation, they are surrounded by hostility. Nation is surrounded by hostility. There are people on all sides that want to shoot them. There are people on all sides that want them dead. It's a... You're not in that situation yet, I can tell you now. But yet, in spite of all that, the whole nation is geared for prosperity. The whole nation is geared for future thinking. The whole nation is geared, so, so essentially what they, what they do is this. Sure, they are, they have, they've got an eye on their neighbours, by all means, you, you, that's obvious. But however, more so, that they actually have the most innovators, most innovative people in the, in, in the world are in that nation at, at this time. More people, that, the most inventions or the most new ideas that are manifested into the world today come from, a, come from a nation whose faith is grounded in the very faith that our faith is grounded into. 
They speak positive of their nation. They love their country. When you walk through the streets of Jerusalem, you don't fear. It's a great place to be. It's very, very livable. One of the things that the government, one of the things that the government has done, is they've even made this group of uh, this this piece of land. They've got this piece of land and they've got these buildings there. And these buildings are basically on the edge of the highway of one of the main highways where Solomon gained his wealth. When you look at that, that is the place that they have, um, and this is what they've done. This is an action that they have done in order to cultivate future wealth, is they have given a whole group of buildings to entrepreneurs free. In other words, if you're a budding entrepreneur, you can have these buildings free. You can start your business in these buildings free. You can have free occupancy for X amount of years. Why? Because we believe in our future. It's, it may seem as a, a constraint. People might claim, oh, what about the rent money? No, 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 no. If you're worried about the rent money, uh, we'll miss out on our rent. Now that's small thinking. Big thinking is this. I want to create a space, even though it costs me, for a bunch of future generations, future entrepreneurs, that will create far more value than my measly rent will charge them, receive my rent. That is a big thinking. That is forward thinking. That is faith thinking. Hello? That is the faith that we are grounded into. We shouldn't be getting caught up with minute little trivial bits of information. And that's what it means to, to create value. Creating value is not just about um, what's good for me now. Creating value is about how can I multiply the value that I am creating and more people are blessed. So Israel is a nation that is future orientated. One of the things that you can do is this. Now, I, I preached about this last year. I know many of us, various times in our life, face Difficult situations. Difficult situations in your family. Maybe it's between siblings or in the family. Maybe it's, a, it's different. Whatever the situation, the thing is this. We learn this from Joseph. That we cannot change the facts of what happened. What has happened has happened. We can't change them. Once it's done, it's done. There's no faith for the history. There's no faith for history. We can't, like I said, we can't fast. We don't fast for what has happened. So don't beat yourself up. Don't flagellate yourself because of either what you've done or what has been done to you. Just stop it. Just find healing for that. We've got healing for you. But if you choose to dwell in that place, the outlook for you is bleak. You can't change what happened as yesterday or today. But I can change this. I can change the meaning of what happened. Or the significance of what happened. We, we talked about that with Joseph last year. The fact is, the brothers sold him. The fact is, their intention was for good, for, for evil. But when there was reconciliation, when there was a future action that took place, the future action reshaped the meaning of what did happen. So regardless of whether your brother or your cousin has sold you as a slave here today, how many people have been sold as a slave? I doubt many. But the reality is this, no matter what you are facing right now, whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing last hour, whatever you faced this morning, whatever we faced last year, whatever happened, good, bad, or ugly, it's in the past now. But what we can change is, one, the meaning or the significance of what has happened. Hallelujah. And two, the other thing that we can change is this, the future. I can change tomorrow by what I do today. I can change tomorrow by what I do today. You may be here today and there, uh, I just want to speak into this. If there are family, tense family situations, maybe between a father and a son, maybe you, as a dad you have done some things or withheld some things that you shouldn't have and it's created friction in your family, particularly with your son. You can't flagellate yourself. It means to beat yourself up over what you should have done or what you haven't done and how bad it is now. That ain't going to help one bit. What you can do is this, is you can make a step of faith and you can invite your son out for a coffee and buy it for him. You can initiate something. You can just do something. You may not know what to say, but you can just do something. You can't go and change the fact that you weren't there. 
all those years ago. You can't change the fact that you were angry. You can't change that. However, you can change now the meaning and you can set a new course for the future by what you do today. To know that, there is freedom. That is why there is freedom in faith. Because faith is always future orientated. It's future tense. In other words, I know I messed up. But I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to set the course for the future. Why? Because I know, one, that my heart, my life is in the Lord's hands. And He responds out of faith, not by whinging and whining. He responds out of faith. He responds by us doing something to say, the first thing you could do is come to Him and say, Lord, I messed up. I messed up in my marriage. I messed up with my finances. I messed up in with my kids, I've messed up somewhere. God, I've, my life's a mess. You've got to at least come to that point and acknowledge it. I've done some things that I'm, I'm not proud of. For many people, they live under that cloud for too long. Let me tell you the truth of, of what God is like. He's not angry. He's not angry. He is not angry. He loves you. He really, really does, regardless of what has happened, regardless of what you've been involved in. He loves you so much. Even if you've been in church for all these years, He still loves you. <laughs> he loves you more than you can imagine. And if we could just ground our heart just to that belief and that truth, that He loves us and He believes the best in for you. His heart is for you, not against you. That is the truth there. And when we trust in that, that's essentially what he asked Moses to do. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to do things in the future for you. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to. Don't tell me to talk to your wife. You Don't worry about that. You worry about you. Don't tell me to go and sort all your, your financial issues. No, 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 no. Just sort out what's in front of you now. I will be who I am, where I will be, how I will be. Just trust me that I... I am in your future. I, I, I'm there already. And trust me that I love you. Trust me that my grace is sufficient for you. When our faith, when our belief is attached to that, that gives us hope for the future. The fact is, yes, I messed some things up after the Even as a leader, I have messed some things up. I have said things I shouldn't have said. I've had things in my heart I shouldn't have had. But I'm not going to spend the next five to ten years flagellating myself because of all of that. No, I can't change what I've already done. But I can change the meaning of what has happened and I can make some decisions now that will set my course for ten years. And those decisions that I make for now that will go for ten years will go for generations. Let your eyes be on the future. That's the, that's the essence of our faith. Why don't you just close your eyes and just bow your heads. Jesus asked the question when the Son of Man returns in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 18 verse 8 when the Son of Man returns in other words He's talking about Himself when I come again when and how when I come again will I find faith on earth will I find my people in a place of anticipation Will I find my people in a place of expectancy? Will I find the church that I gave my life for and invested my Holy Spirit into? Will I find them in a place of faith? After giving them all the words, after giving them my love, after giving my affection, after demonstrating my undivided love for them, will I find them in a place of faith? Or will I find them sniveling and whining and posting all crap on Facebook? How will I find them? How will you? How will Jesus find you today? Fix your eyes on Him. He's already in your future. The question is: Will we step out and just have a go to trust Him and believe that He is who He is? 
The very issue that he dealt with Moses is about control. The thing is we try and control our world. We try and control how God will turn up, when he will turn up, and what means and what demonstrate. Forget it. It's not going to happen. Let go of the control. Let go of the fear. Trust him. Paul said in Romans, Romans chapter 8, he talked about these present sufferings. Present sufferings. He didn't pretend like they were not there. Of course he was suffering. But what he put the emphasis was this, on the future glory. He goes on to say that all creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. What it doesn't say is all creation waits for a bunch of sniveling and whining and negative Christians trying to tell everyone that they're wrong and judging this, judging that, trying to pretend that they're better than everyone else. No, he's not. The creation is waiting for sons that will manifest the goodness of God. People are waiting for the church of God to arise. That's you and me to respond in faith. There is a future glory. Paul set his eyes upon the future glory, not on the present sufferings. If you choose to set your eyes on your present sufferings, it's a dark hole, not going anywhere. Make a decision today to set your eyes, to set your heart, to make some steps towards your future. Not sniveling around your past. Make some steps towards moving forward to the future glory that Christ has for you. Make out, get your heart, get your eyes set on the future glory that Christ has set for us. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. Father, I thank you today for what you have brought us through. We thank you for the place that you have brought us to and this place today. I pray that, Father, that you would stir courage in the hearts of your sons and your daughters today. I pray that today that you would stir faith in your sons and your daughters. Stir faith in our hearts today. Stir it in our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lift up our eyes. Lift up your eyes. Not just in front of you, not what's behind you. Look, Lift up your eyes to the future. Father, I pray today that you would give us faith for the future in Jesus' name. Not that we would commiserate about what's going on now or what's happened in the past. We give you glory. We thank you. We don't always understand it. But Lord, we know that you were there all the way through. I pray that today, every person in this place here would arise in Jesus' name. That everyone would ascend the hill that you have called us to ascend to in Jesus' name. Father, I speak your blessing over their lives. I speak your blessing over every household here. I speak your blessing today over every marriage, every heart, every dream, every thought, every mind today in Jesus' name. Every business, I speak your hand of blessing over their lives today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on like you really mean it. Come on. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Father, move in this place today, I pray. Move in our hearts today in Jesus' name. Why don't you make a decision? Make a decision today. Don't do it, don't make that decision tomorrow, do it today. Make a small step. Make a decision to fast, not a just a fast of inconvenience, heck no. I can do one of those. I want to do a full fast. Why? Because I really want to build my faith level. I really want to make a stand. I really want to change some things in my life. I really want, I really, really do want God's best for your life. And to do that, it's going to be manifest and demonstrated in my commitment to see that through. I've already started fasting. I'm not going to wait for three weeks. I'm going to do it now. Now, now, faith, I'm going to do it now. Start setting some goals or start to step out of the boat. Start to have some new conversations. Start to set the course. Start to save a bit more money. Start to do some things now in anticipation that God is going to do something fresh. Come on, let's worship on this morning.
way today. Let's worship him today. of who he is today. I don't know about you, but I'm going to set my future. Future is not going to be dictated by how what other people do around me. My future, our future will be dictated by my faith in Jesus Christ. How he decides that it will work out, I'm good with that. Why don't you make a decision today? Stop worrying about what's just happened or happened yesterday. Fix your eyes forward and make a decision. There's going to be freedom in my future. Freedom in my future day. There's freedom in it. Make a decision today. Or make the other decision and stay where you are. But for me, when I grow old, when it comes my time to stand before the Lord, people will speak of exploits that I've done. People, I want people to speak of my faith. I want people to say, look how God showed up in his life. Look how God looked. Look what he was like, but look what God did. How about you? Come on, why don't you encourage somebody next to you? Bless them in Jesus' name. Come out to the beach. Let's go crazy together. Let's go and do some stuff. Let's have some faith in the little tow rope. Let's go 50 mile an hour behind my boat. God bless you tonight.